thanks to the music team. Um, some weeks are more hectic than others, right? That's true in uh, music prep as well. Um, you know, it occurs to me, tonight we're talking about prayer, and um, I think sometimes you hear, you hear music sort of like in an off week, and it's easy to sort of think like, oh, wow, that's, that's really noticeable. But if we're honest, if, as we prepare to talk about prayer, uh, sometimes we think, my prayer is often off. Um, my prayer life is often, it doesn't exist. And there's so many things around us where we, we're tempted to think, we perform poorly. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus has performed for us. Um, our prayers are accepted because of what He has done for us. Our worship is accepted because of what He has done for us. And so I just want to extend a, 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 my welcome to you, especially if you, if you have no idea what you think about Christianity or, or Jesus or this room or this group. Um, Christianity is not about you getting right with God. It's really about understanding how Jesus has made it right for us. And so I would just say that by way of um, introduction. We're, we're continuing through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to read from Matthew 7, where Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. So let's read this and we'll pray. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can call you Father through Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would be with us now. Uh, we ask for good gifts um, of ears that can hear you and eyes that can see you. Uh, we pray for good gifts of faith to see Jesus for who he really is. And we pray for your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, well, I was thinking, uh, one of the hardest things about liking someone romantically is trying to figure out if you can tell them, right? Uh, what's harder than liking someone romantically and them not knowing? Oh, I know, liking someone romantically and them knowing and saying, but I don't like you that way. That's worse, isn't it? That's way worse. Um, I was thinking about early on in college, I had a crush on a girl, not Melissa, and I wanted to ask her out and I called her up and I said, hey, how about we go to dinner sometime, right? It was nicer than that, right? I was, you know, told her who I was and all of that. And she said, that sounds great, only if we go as friends. Of course as friends, is what I said. What do you mean? Of course that's what we're going to go as. Well, who has dinner and we're not friends? And, and I hung up after the end of the conversation and I never called back. We never nailed down the details of that dinner that we were going to go to as friends because I was so embarrassed, right? You can imagine. I did not want to go as friends. I felt awkward. I felt a pit in my stomach when she said, as friends, oh, no. Maybe there's somebody that you want to ask out, and there's this nagging sort of thought, 
What if they say no? What if they say just as friends? What if they say not even as friends? We're terrified of that. Or maybe you're thinking about grad school options, and there are certain schools that you're not even sure you'd want to send in the application to. Because what if they say no? Otherwise, you could pretend, well, I thought about this, but this was really a better fit for me. Right? Maybe the thought of career fairs puts a pit in your stomach. The thought of standing before your potential dream employer and them looking at you and looking at your resume with this look of, why are you standing here right now? You're terrified of that. We, we really open ourselves to vulnerability when we put ourselves out there. I like you. Do you like me? I want to work for you. Do you want me to work for you? I want to go to school here. Is that cool? We feel vulnerability when we lay ourselves out there. And Jesus knows this about us. He knows our hearts. He knows what makes us feel vulnerable. And when he talks about prayer, he says, listen, God is not like this at all. At all. He wants to give us confidence to approach his heavenly Father in prayer. God will not reject anyone who comes to him and asks. Just about 10 verses before this section, Jesus says to his disciples, O you of little faith. And surely this is one of those areas in the Christian faith where we feel our little faith acutely. Have you ever met a Christian who felt like they prayed enough? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? You know, I've probably been praying too much, actually. I just pray, pray, pray. Nobody thinks like this. Nobody thinks, like, how is your spiritual life going? I pray nonstop. I'm pretty much nailing the praying thing. And Jesus, right off the bat, is very intentional and very powerfully tells us, you will be heard when you pray. You will be heard. Which is an incredible thought, because have you ever felt like when you pray to God, it felt more like sending an email, right? Send doesn't feel like a conversation with God at all, and you sort of think, I hope he gets around to listening to that prayer. I hope he starts checking my prayers. You ever felt like that? Like it's just this impersonal, I should do this, and I'm, dear God, here's what's on my heart, send. You ever feel like that? Disconnected from prayer, like that what you're doing is anything but communing with the maker of heaven and earth? With three very short words, Jesus is telling us there is a simplicity to prayer. Ask, seek, knock. He doesn't use big words. He doesn't use profound ideas. He says, you want to talk about prayer? Ask, seek, knock. It is simple, amazingly simple. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Even the most skeptical among us would have to admit this sounds pretty inviting. If it could be true, that to ask and we will receive. In a world where you have to be smart enough or attractive enough or connected enough to get what you want or what you need, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. 
And you might be thinking, that sounds great, Joe, but there are actually times that I have asked. I asked, and I, I, didn't, I didn't receive. It didn't work. I didn't get it. What do we ask for? We learn a lot about ourselves when our mind wanders at the potential of receiving what we ask for. You learn a lot about yourself, like, what would I ask for? If I could receive anything that I asked for, what would I ask? You learn a lot about yourself. Because if you're like me, you start to think about the things that we would want to go our way. That job, right? That career, that house, that relationship. We start thinking, oh, that's what I would ask for. Basically, I want to be attractive, surrounded by attractive people. I want to be a five-star, surrounded by five-star people. I want power, and I want fame, and I want popularity, I want money. I want things to go well for me. And I say that out loud, and it's like, oh, right. Like we've been talking about all over the Sermon on the Mount. I care a lot about my glory and my kingdom, a whole lot more naturally than I care about Jesus' kingdom and Jesus' glory. Jesus' half-brother, James, also teaches on prayer in the book of James. He says this in chapter 4, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Now listen to this. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. I was at a gym today playing racquetball with my neighbor, and I noticed in the equipment, the workout area, I'm not very fluent in gym terminology. Sorry, Ezra. Uh, (laughs) There's this guy, there's this guy working out. He's obviously working very hard at what he's doing. But it was also very obvious, even to me, that he didn't quite know what he was doing there. Lots of flailing, lots of full body workouts on machines that I assume are supposed to work, you know, specific muscle groups. You know, like working on, you know, his abs and like his whole body is just going into it. You know, things that are supposed to be like for his biceps, I assume, but his legs are kicking too. And it's like, bro. You have a problem. What are you doing? So many reps, so much sweat, and so little benefit to you. I am sure of it. Right? Just because you're using a piece of equipment at the gym doesn't mean you're benefiting from that piece of equipment. Reps are good done the right way. Likewise, prayer is good for you, but just because you're talking in God's direction doesn't mean that you are benefiting from the gift that God has given us in prayer. We can make it all about us and forget that it's about God at all, and yet Jesus doubles down on his promise, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus doesn't say there are some people who ask and receive. He says everyone who asks receives. Here's the deal. This is not the same thing as saying everyone who asks get everything that they ask for every time that they ask it. You understand? He's not saying every time you ask for everything that you want, every single... 
That's not what he's saying. He's saying everyone who asks receives. There's a difference. 100% of those who really, truly ask receive. Not those who ask get 100% what they want or think they want. And I might think, well, Joe, you just threw a whole wet blanket on the whole idea. What good is this promise? Well, it depends on what you're asking for. Jesus says, here's your illustration, earthly parents and children, but especially fathers and sons. Okay. So I started thinking, when do I see my son ask, seek, knock? And I thought about this for all of three seconds. And I was like, oh, I know when I'm in the bathroom. That's when he asks, seeks, and knocks. And I kid you not, we will be at home and I will slip away and think, I just need a few minutes to take care of some business. I'll be right back. He won't even miss me. The door is shut. You know, you hear the little porcelain drop. Dad? He's asking. Then I hear his voice moving around. It's getting louder and softer. Dad? 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 He's outside the door. Dad? Half the time I sigh because I just want three minutes to myself. Yeah, buddy. I'm hungry. Okay. Or can I watch? Not right now, buddy. The phone. The phone. Watch the phone. Come back, come back. (laughs) Jesus is saying, all of us have been created with the capacity to know what a father is like. All of us have been created with this capacity. Because we were made to approach the God of the universe as a child approaches a father. Uh, Tim Keller says, the only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. And we have that kind of access. Jesus continues, which one of you, if his son asks, you for, asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And what he's saying is, if your, dad, if your son says, Dad, I'm hungry, no one's going to say, well, tough, right? You're certainly not going to give him something that will hurt him. Here's some razor blades. Eat that. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying, right? And if someone would do something to hurt their their son, Jesus is saying we should at least assume that that is wrong. That's what he's saying. Maybe you're thinking, well, Joe, you don't know my father. He's a bad dude. I have a bad father. Maybe you're thinking that. And maybe that was your experience, and and I'm sorry, um, truly. and, And unfortunately, we all have daddy issues to some degree or another. But how do you know he was bad? If if your father was bad, how do you know he was bad? If your father was good, how do you know he's, he's good? What's the standard by which you're judging your father? Because what Jesus is saying is instinctively, we recognize a good father or a bad father when we see them, when we spend time with them. Instinctively, we know because we were created to recognize good fathers. 
We were created to have a relationship with God as the good father. I'm a good dad. I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm a good dad. And I say that because my kids know that I love them. I know that they love me. Uh, If I'm in the house, then they will likely look for me. They know that I am approachable. But sometimes when they find me, I sigh. (sighs) Again, I just want a few minutes to myself. I just want a few minutes away from you. And I think this is part of what Jesus means when he says, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. The best fathers, the best good fathers are mixed with evil. We sigh at our children. We want space from our children. We're impatient with our children. And what Jesus is saying is our Heavenly Father does none of these things with His children. Never impatient. Never says, leave me alone. Never says later, right? In that sort of, I don't want to be approached. And the worst earthly father is meant to leave us longing for a father that's actually good. I can call you bad because there is a good father. I can call you good because even in your own broken ways, you point to a heavenly father. And that's why he finishes with, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Even the best dad is evil. How much more will your heavenly father love you? How much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? So this is the million dollar question for me. What are the good gifts that God gives? How should we pray? We've already covered the Lord's Prayer, and so I won't rehash that. If you're interested, you can talk to me about that. You can check out our handy-dandy podcast. But I want to move in a different direction this week. Sometimes people ask, is it appropriate to, to pray for those who are sick? Of course it is. We know that because when Jesus walked around, people would go to him and say, will you please heal, you know, my child? And he would. It's appropriate for us to go to him with the same sort of requests. Is it appropriate to pray for wisdom and choosing the right job? Of course it is, because Jesus tells us to pray for wisdom and our Heavenly Father will give it to us. But our immediate context is the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus calls us to live for him as king and his kingdom. We're called to be salt and light, so much so that others praise God because of us. We're called to care about God's law and his righteousness. We're called to fight the anger and the lust in our hearts and call it what it is, it's wicked. We're to pursue marital fidelity at all costs. We're to love our enemies and not just love them, but forgive them when they wrong us. And to take care of the poor because we love the poor and not the applause that taking care of the poor often brings from others. We're called not to be anxious, but to love God's kingdom more than we love our own kingdoms. And to worry about the sin in our own lives more than we worry about the sin in the lives of others. In short, kingdom living is hard, and it's basically impossible by ourselves. Okay? 
And Jesus doesn't want us to see the disparity in our hearts and our lives and the call to live in His kingdom. He doesn't want us to see that gap and give up. He doesn't want us to see that gap and, and say, I can't, I'm done. Instead, what He wants us to do is stop looking at ourselves and our failings and look to our God. All right, And here's why I say that. Remember how the Sermon on the Mount starts? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of God. Right off the bat, Jesus says, if you're going to think about the kingdom, if you're going to think about living in the kingdom the right way, you've got to know it's the poor who receive. You're going to have to learn how to receive this kingdom. You're not going to earn it. You have to receive it. Well, then he teaches what kingdom life looks like. A lot of the list that, that we sort of just talked about. And he gets about halfway in and he says, this is a really good time to talk about prayer. The Lord's Prayer. You're going to have to learn how to receive help and forgiveness from this king if you're going to live in this kingdom. You're going to have to learn to receive these things. And he talks more about hard kingdom life. And then we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's teaching again on prayer. And what he's saying is, you have to be convinced that God will hear you when you pray. You have to be convinced that when you ask Him, He will answer you. You have to be convinced that you need to receive help. This is what living in the kingdom hangs on. It's impossible to live this way in and of ourselves. We need to be poor in spirit. We need to learn how to receive the kingdom, and we receive it by asking God, help, forgive, help, let me receive you. When Luke records Jesus' teaching on prayer, Jesus says this. It sounds almost the same. Notice the difference. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Which is it, good gifts or the Holy Spirit? And I, and I get it, Jesus taught on this on multiple occasions, but I think His teaching is basically the same. The good gifts that Jesus is telling us the Heavenly Father will give us when we ask the ability to be salt and light, the ability to fight lust and anger in our hearts, the ability to love the poor. You get the idea. How do we do these things? God has to give us Himself. God has to give us His Holy Spirit that empowers us. He empowers us to do the good things that Jesus is telling us to pray for. These are the good gifts, the things that I'm enabling you to do by my Holy Spirit. I give myself to those who ask. And so here's the question that Jesus, I think, would ask all of us, myself included. Are you asking God? Are you praying? Are you seeking Him? Are you knocking? Do you pray regularly, Father, I need your help. I need your help. Those who ask receive. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks it will be opened. So it's a serious question for us. Are we praying? Are we asking, seeking, knocking? And some of you are going to hear this as like, thanks for the guilt trip, Joe. 
This isn't a guilt thing. Um, what we've been promised is tremendous. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5. Maybe some of you know this. It's about a Syrian king who has this terrible skin disease. He's nasty. And he hears of a prophet in Israel who can heal him. And he says, sign me up, I will go to him. And so Elisha, the prophet, meets him and says, sure, I can heal you. What you do is you see the river Jordan right there? Dip in it seven times. And the king is indignant. I've traveled all this way to bathe in a dirty Jewish river. I have rivers at home, okay? That's what he's saying. Did I really travel this far for that? And this is what the Bible says next. So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? And so he went and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. If you're a Christian, what that means is you actually want to care about Jesus' kingdom more than you care about your own. And you don't want lust and anger in your hearts to rule and reign over you. If you're a Christian, that actually means that you want to learn how to care for the poor in ways that honor them and God. And if you're a non-Christian and you're here, then you might actually just want to know what it is that everyone's talking about when they say, I know Jesus. But you don't seem to be able to do that. Without projecting an ounce of guilt, let me simply say, it is a great word that Jesus has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Will you not do it? Our Heavenly Father delights to give himself to his children. And he's given of himself already so much that he would send Jesus to live and die for our sins and be raised to new life. He has given of Himself when He promises to give us His Holy Spirit to those who ask. He has given of Himself when He says, If you knock, I will open. And what we need more than anything is the life of God. What we need more than anything is Father, Son, and Spirit. And He says that He will give Himself to those who ask. So let us keep asking and let us keep seeking Him in prayer and in His Word and in fellowship. Let us seek Him together. Let us keep knocking because we know that He will answer however He decides to answer those in need. But He will answer with good gifts in His own way, in His own timing, and we will be better for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a joy and a privilege it is to call you Father. What a gift you have given us to come before you. And I will confess, first of all, that I don't come to you asking, seeking, knocking in the way that you have gifted it, gifted me with that. I do it when I remember, or I do it when I've set it on my calendar. But so often I go off of my own instincts and I rely on my own resources and I forget about your kingdom and I care about mine. Help all of us 
to see what a gift we have to come before you asking and seeking and knocking. You are a good Father who will not turn us away. And we ask that you would change us and help us to live in your kingdom for your glory and our good. Amen. Let's sing.